My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. In 1994, I was called uh, to be the youth pastor here at Sunrise. And Sunrise was quite different back in that day, but I was called to be the youth pastor under the leadership of a man named Dick Lindemann. So this is a picture of Dick. Uh, this, is, uh, this is Josiah, who's 20 next week, okay, on Friday. So this is a couple years, you can look at that and go, yeah, you were much younger. Uh, my wife is still the same beautiful person. Uh, Dick uh, and his wife, Julie, have uh, had an incredible journey. They started out coming to faith in Jesus Christ down in Santa Cruz, California, uh, by a pastor at Twin Lakes Bible Church who led them to Christ. And uh, then they began this journey where God put a call in their heart. They moved up to the Portland area, went to Western uh, Conservative Baptist Seminary, and uh, they pursued a ministry degree to focus on missions. And after graduating, they moved down to Brazil. They learned the language, and they began reaching people down there. After a season, they were called back up to the Portland area, and Dick was the representative uh, for what today we call World Venture, and that's the mission organization of sending folks around uh, the world from the conservative Baptist movement, and then he was the representative that would go around to churches and represent missionaries. Well, over time then, uh, his service and his ministry, he was in uh, Henson Baptist down there in Portland. In fact, I was there for a conference on Friday night, and I checked in, and, and an older gal said, thank you for that service. It was so great. So she remembered Dick from those days, and he taught Bible school and Sunday school classes, and he was a part of Western Seminary. And then God moved them to Hawaii, which is kind of a dream for most pastors, you know. They were in Honolulu International Church. They had a, a seminary, a Bible college there. And if you know Sophie, Sophie was there. She was a part of it. She was in youth ministry. She taught Greek there. And, um, and so it was just a journey that God had them on. And Dick and Julie had a phenomenal ministry where many people came to faith in Jesus Christ. And about 1991, 92, their son died of cancer, and they moved back to the mainland, and they landed here in Hillsboro at Sunrise Church. And in 94, uh, I was called to be the youth pastor. Now, I tell you all that because a Saturday ago, we hosted Dick's memorial service here in this room, and it was filled with people from 
all around the world. People flew in from around the world. People shared stories about life and about history and ministry. And uh, it was amazing to hear what God can do in the life of a person who is fully yielded to him. And, and I believe that God takes full responsibility. I think it was Charles Stanley that said that full responsibility for the life of a person who's fully yielded to God. And God did that in so many years. And I'm here today because of that. Because after Dick left and, and retired, he moved to Spokane in that area and did senior ministry for a while, retired finally in Grants Pass and just passed away. Um, Dick and Julie would come back and they would see sunrise as it was growing and it was, it was changing and all kinds of things were happening and they were just so excited. They were so thankful that God was working here. And, and you know, they would always catch me in the foyer and give me a hug and tell me how proud they were of me because they're like spiritual parents in that way. And you know, the reality for you and for me is that one day we're all going to go. One day we're all going to pass away. It's going to happen. It's not, it's not like an optional thing. And I didn't want to encourage you with those words to start my sermon, but I got to be honest. One day there will be a memorial service for us. And what will people say about us? What will the legacy be that we have left? When people gather around and they tell stories and they show a slideshow and they end up kind of reminiscing and then they go back in the dining hall and eat macaroni and cheese and whatever they eat. It's better than that at sunrise in our services. But, and then our body is laid in the ground and the dirt's thrown over us. What will be our reason for existing? We're in this daily walk through the Bible and in a few weeks, we're going to encounter this text. It's from the book of Joshua. We're not there yet, but we're getting close. Joshua, the book of Joshua starts off with these words. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Can you imagine that? The guy that lived 40 years in Egypt and the splendor of Egypt in a fit of rage, killed an Egyptian taskmaster who was oppressing his people, then fled for 40 years to the solitary wilderness to tend sheep, encountered God at a burning bush, who was instructed, you go in, he resisted, we talked about that, go in and get my people out of there, but I will do the work. And he went in, and Aaron, his brother, and they led the people out, and the plagues, and passing through the water, and all of the things that we're reading about now, and then they're going to get to the point where they get to the promised land. Moses does not get to lead them in to the land, but ultimately, 40 years later, he passes away. He's 120. That's amazing. Unbelievable. And I, I don't think any of us are going to reach 120 or 100, maybe 80, right? Maybe 90, who knows? Um, some of you are younger, you're thinking, I'll, I'll take 50, you know, and <laughs> that's fine. Seems like forever, right? It's like way in the future. But the reality is, one day, we're going to pass away. Uh, Mary Beth and I were talking. I was reading my sermon to her last night, and, and she said, you realize that this year you will have been serving at sunrise half your life. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But one day there'll be a service for me, and one day there'll be a service for you. And someone will say, Mary, my servant, is dead. Just like this last year, hon, we heard Byron, your husband, my servant is dead. We, we've had, uh, I just now counted 13 people pass away in the last year, most by cancer, heart attack. Uh, and, you know, it's been a hard season. It's been a hard season for many people, many folks. It's been a hard season as a pastor to kind of 
carry those, uh, those moments of grief. And ministry is always a series of ungrieved losses, and you just kind of keep going to the next one. It's been a hard season. And the people of Israel are going to have a hard season where they mourn their leader's death. But it's going to happen to you, too. And what will be your legacy? Will anybody, this is a question I was asked as a young person, will anybody be in heaven because of you? Will anybody have a relationship with God today because of you? Or have you just tacked God onto your life and went for like a self-improvement plan to get a little bit better? Because God's interested in far more than that for you. He wants to radically change your life and lead you on a journey so that other people are led on that journey. But it's true. One day we're all going to go. Will you be ready? And what will heaven have in store for you? Well, today we close up and we move into this this week with uh, the end of Moses' reign. They're going to have a couple more weeks on it as a leader, as, as this guy that was just awesome, that God delivered his law through and spoke through and just did so many miracles. And in Numbers 27, this is what we're reading this week as we go through our Daily Walk Bible. And the first two verses, uh, three verses, say this. One day the Lord said to Moses, climb one of the mountains east of the river. Now, they've already gone through the 40 years of wilderness because they disobeyed God. And, and Pastor Shane talked about that last week, and they acted more in fear than faith. And so now they're at the point where they're going to oversee and go into the land and look over the land I have given the people of Israel. After you have seen it, you will die like your brother Aaron, for you both rebelled against my instructions in the wilderness of Zin. When the people of Israel rebelled, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to them at the waters. These are the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, and the wilderness of Zin. And in this moment of anger, this was one of Moses' predilections, and, and uh, he, he was angry and struck the rock three times instead of speaking to the rock and kind of pulling glory to himself versus glory to God. And, uh, you know, you think about this. He lived an awesome life, but there were struggles, right? He, he wasn't perfect. He started out, at least on the scene, uh, with, with a, an anger problem where he killed someone. He killed someone in rage, thinking this is my, might be the way God would use me, right? We could imagine. And then he went into isolation, and then God spoke to him, and there were moments. But God did a great work in his heart because when God was angry at his people, Moses was the one that stood up. It's, it's awesome. I hope you're reading the Bible. It's great. Here's a guy who bore the burdens of his people for 40 years. He shared the joys of all of the wonderful things that God did, and he taught him God's laws. He was a faithful shepherd for 40 years, but not perfect. He didn't have a perfect you know, record, but he was known as a friend of God. He saw God face to face, and it says in the record he was the most humble person on the planet, which is awesome because he wrote that. Um, but it's true nonetheless, you know what I mean? Or maybe somebody, you know, somebody added that. But the fact is, is that this was an amazing leader. You would want a leader like Moses. But the fact is, in a moment of, of a crucial encounter, he failed, and his leadership would, would ultimately come to an end. Um, the fact is, is that your leadership is ultimately going to come to an end. Maybe some of you are young, and you're, you're, you're thinking about getting married, and one day you're going to bury your spouse or your spouse will bury you. Or, or you're, you know, you're, you're excited about having kids because you haven't met any kids yet. Um, and you're excited about having kids. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and one day you might have to bury that child or they will bury you. And one day your life will be over 
And I, I love what uh, C.T. Studd, the missionary, said. It's on my, our refrigerator. Oh, it's not on our new refrigerator at home. Got to fix that, Mary Beth. Uh, it was on our old refrigerator for years. It was on my grandma's refrigerator. You know, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's the reality for you and for me, friends. One day you're going to pass it all off to someone else. The question is, will you be faithful in those years? Will you faithfully carry the baton of ministry or leadership as a mother, as a father, as a grandma, a grandpa, whatever that would be, until when you finally lay it down, others will mourn your passing but celebrate all of the amazing things that God did in your life. The text goes on to say this in verse 15 to 17. Then Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, you're the God who gives breath to all creatures. Please appoint a new man as leader for the community. I love this. I don't know how I would respond if God said, okay, you're going to die. All right. Um, I'd probably be thinking about myself. Okay. Um, but in a moment where there's clarity, where Moses knows he's going to die, he's thinking about his people. He's a true, humble shepherd. He's a leader. And he says this. He says, God, appoint, please appoint a new man as leader for the community. Look at this. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go. Because they've been wandering for 40 years. They left Egypt. They were slaves. 400 years in Egypt. Generational slavery. They knew nothing but. And now God has been molding them into a people. Raising them up from childhood to this adult age. Where they can now, with God's laws, live in this new place that God is providing for them. But somebody needs to go in. And needs to lead them in battle. And drive out all those people. And occupy the land. And divide it. And now this is the promised land. The place that Abraham walked. Their ancestor. He says they need a leader who will guide them wherever they go and lead them into battle. There's going to be battles. There's going to be wars. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be things to fight for. So the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. I love that. We are sheep, God says. He tells us. And Jesus is the great shepherd, and we need shepherds. That's what the word pastor means, to shepherd people. And we have pastors here, and I've had been the privilege of pastoring at Sunrise 28 years. And I love that. But, but you're going to need a new shepherd, and we've talked about that. And if it's your first time at Sunrise, welcome. We have a search team looking for a new shepherd. And um, yet God is going to provide a new person to guide us, to lead us into battle, because there have been battles over the last, at least the years I've been here, of, of victory and failure and ongoing progression of ministry and opportunities. And, but most importantly, we need a shepherd. I need a shepherd for that next part of the journey. I mean, when he hears this, he thinks about his nation. He thinks about his people. Now, it probably came as no shock that it's Joshua, all right? Because go to the next script. It says, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. I mean, we already know about Joshua, right? He was there in Egypt. Uh, he came through. He, he was a man of just incredible power because he fought the Amalekites and led the people of Israel to fight the Amalekites. They had victory there. He got to go up on the mountain of God as, as Moses was up there receiving the law. Um, he, he was someone who was Moses' right-hand man. It was already clear that. He was one of the spies who went into the land. He and Caleb were the only ones that said, yes, this is a lot of enemy, but we can take it because God's going to do it in us and through us. And all along the way, he was there as an assistant. Now, he's no spring chicken, okay? 
So he's, he's already older, and if he left Egypt at 20, he's about 60 now. But the fact is, is that it was an obvious choice. God had already been preparing him. And it says here, present him to Eleazar the priest, that's Aaron's son, before the whole community, and publicly commission him to lead the people. One day that's going to happen, you know. Uh, it could be months, it could be a couple of years, I don't really know, but one day... We will publicly commission our new lead pastor at Sunrise, and it's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be a great moment, and, uh, and I'll tell you more about how to get involved in that in just a bit, but it's going to happen. Transfer some of your authority to him so the whole community of Israel will obey him. Now, the fact is Moses isn't done yet, okay? He still has a little bit of work to do. He has a book to write called Deuteronomy, okay, and he has some ministry still and some leadership things to, to, to lead, but his life is basically over, or his ministry is basically over. And the reality, friends, is Sunrise Church has and is and always will belong to God. This is his church, and he's done some phenomenal things, and I look around, and, and I see, I, I can't see through the camera, but I, I know you're there because there's a light on, and, uh, and there are people that have checked in on Facebook and YouTube, and, and we're in the room here, and I get to greet every week, and and this is his church. We're all a part of it. We all get to do part of that. We all get to serve in varying ways and capacities. But ultimately, this is his church, and he has done great things. He's used us as he uses servants in the Bible. He, he used me, and he's used me, and, and I believe he still will. I still have a book to write, literally, and uh, a couple sermons to preach. But one day, there'll be a new leader. You know, That's the reality, because one day, we'll all be gone. That's the truth. One day, we will all have a service. And I believe that God wants to prepare Hillsborough and the Washington County community for a new leader that will lead this beautiful church into a new generation of ministry and service advancing the gospel. Last week I heard, uh, actually a week and a half ago, I heard the words of uh, Dr. David Jeremiah on the radio. I was, I was coming to church and uh, he was talking about what we'll see when Joshua led the people in and the waters of the Jordan are at flood stage and they're bringing the people in and, and the priests with the ark have to go first. Uh, and that's and flood stage, it's roaring waters, it's deep at that point, it's muddy on the banks there. And um, if you've ever been to the Jordan River, it's, it's tame now, it's calm because of the way they uh, you know, regulate the water. But back then it was just rage. And, and this is what Jeremiah was saying, Dr. Jeremiah was saying that you know, the priests had to put their feet in the water. And that's pretty scary. That's hard to do when you'd rather calculate and run a spreadsheet and look at water flow and look at timing of the year and say, could we just wait a month when it'll be easier and it looks great? Sunrise has walked by faith, not by sight. And in that moment, Jeremiah said this, David Jeremiah says, if you want to be a person of faith, you have to put your feet in the water. Only then will you see God act. He's waiting on people of faith to take a step. And that's going to be our step. We're going to take a step. I mean, one day, as a congregation, we're going to vote on a new lead pastor. And, and you have to be a member to do that, by the way. So you might want to write down the next membership class, the Connect class. But one day, you're going to participate in that. And that, that's going to be scary. I know it is. It's going to be an opportunity for fear. It's going to be an opportunity for questions that might paralyze you. Because what if we, yeah, but what if, Right? May it always be said that we have walked by faith and not by sight. The wording is interesting here. At the beginning, take Joshua, son of Nun, literally is you yourself take him. 
So Moses still had work to do here. It's kind of great. It's not just like God just lightning bolt zapped around him with a badge or something like that, that he had a, a, a step to do. And um, I'm, I'm just excited about seeing those steps. And then he says, when the direction of the Lord from the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eliezer the priest who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord to determine his will. Um, that, that seems like a very strange way to do it, you know, but in the Bible, casting lots was a way that God spoke. You know, I, I'm pretty sure we're not going to roll the dice on this one, okay? Uh, but ultimately, we have to ask, okay, Lord, is this what you want? Is this the way you're moving? And we'll have to trust that God is speaking and God is leading, and we'll have to see God work. And that's how Joshua would do it with the priest uh, to determine his will. This is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel will determine everything they should do. So I just wonder for you, just in your own personal life, how do you determine your steps? How do you know that a decision is a good decision, a right decision? Because there's a whole lot of decisions to make. The last two years have just exacerbated the, the reality of decisions and the struggles that we make. You know, if you go one way or you go the other, whether it's you decide to get married, you decide to go to a certain college, you know, you decide to have kids, you decide to buy a house, you decide to sell a house. My wife and I are selling a house, we bought a house. Those are big decisions, right? And along the way, it was always, okay, God, is this your will? How do we know your will? When I was a youth pastor for nine years, it was clear that it was God's will for me not to be a youth pastor because I did a junior high lock-in. And that was it. After that junior high all-nighter down at the bowling alley that no longer exists downtown, it was like the Lord spoke clearly and said, get out of Dodge. Okay, I, I, I love youth, but I realized God was moving my heart to something. But how do you know? How do you really know? When God's calling you to do something, is it through scripture? Is it through prayer? Is it through counselors? I hope all of those. But ultimately, when God speaks to you, you have to trust that it's his voice and you take a step of faith. And that's how God says Joshua is going to do it and be the next leader. Um, Moses did as the Lord commanded, it said. He presented Joshua to Eliezer the priest and the whole community. Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. And again, that's what we do. One day, we're going to retire. You know, I'm probably 10 years away from that. I never thought, I never thought I'd be 10 years away from retirement. Some of you are already retired. Some of you are like, retirement, what's that? And I'm saying, wake up, start saving now, Okay even though the stocks are not looking so great, okay? But you have to think about the future. And if you're 20, 25, and you're not thinking about the future, one day you're gonna wake up and the future is gonna be in front of you and it's gonna scare you because you might not be ready. So thinking about the future of the reality of this is this idea that God was already at work in the nation of Israel. He was already at work in Joshua's life. He was already at work in Moses' life. And God was preparing the next leader. And I believe that he's doing that right now. Joshua had to learn how to love the people like Moses. He saw it in Moses. He had to learn how to lead the people like Moses and to do even greater things than Moses did by taking them in the land. Pretty soon we're going to finish the five books of Moses and we're going to see Joshua lead the people and be strong and courageous and boldly go into the land. He's going to have the same power. He's going to have the same spirit of Moses, but he's going to be a different leader. He's not going to be Moses because there's only one Moses. There's only one. And as great as Moses was, he died. And Joshua took over. 
One of the responsibilities of spiritual leaders today is to work very hard to raise up the next generation of leaders. And I think about the people that serve around here, and I, whether it's in the church or out in the community, that I'm so glad that you do it. I'm so thankful that you've discovered your passion. But part of that has to be raising up another leader, raising up another generation of leaders, being able to say, okay, this is great what you're doing. I love it, but you can't do it in isolation. You can't do it alone. We need to multiply the leadership. Moses had the privilege of taking God's people from slavery to the promised land, but along the way, God used Joshua, and the transfer of power was complete. Moses dies, and Joshua takes over. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, 2, I'll just paraphrase, he said, you know, Timothy, you've seen it in me, and I've given it to you. Now I want you to give it to faithful men who will also give it to other faithful men. That is the reality, because I, I believe this, especially in our culture today, that if we don't stand strong on God's word and teach and live according to what he had said, the, the cultural waters around us are very, very strong, and that current is just beating at us all the time. And, you know, it's been said, maybe true, maybe not here, we're one generation away from extinction as followers of Christ to our church. In my position now uh, with CB Northwest, I, I get to see a lot of churches that they left their age and day and they stopped trusting in the Lord and they started trusting more in statistics than by faith. And, and as it says in Revelation, Jesus says that the candle, the lampstand was removed. And I want that for sunrise. I want sunrise always burning bright. But the reality is that means you and whatever ministry you're doing have to look around and find the next person and give over your authority and give over your ministry and responsibility and walk alongside of them and not do it in fear but in faith. I want to share some stories of Sunrise, and uh, there's a reason why, because I want to tell you that God's done awesome things in the past, and I'm firmly convinced he's going to do awesome things in the future. So if you're brand new at Sunrise, none of this makes any sense, but just kind of watch it. Some of you will see yourselves, not, not literally those photos, but you'll see yourselves in it. I want to talk about the last 24, 25 years and what God has done at Sunrise. First of all, in service, uh, we started the very first summer, 1998, with an adult Sunday school class. We gathered everybody and we started talking about reaching our community for Christ. What would it look like to be contagious in our Christianity? And some old guy, Earl Deskins, anybody remember Earl? Now I loved Earl. He was a cantankerous coot, but he was awesome. He made horrible coffee, but man, he, was, he loved Jesus. And um, he said, let's go make coffee and uh, serve donuts down at the soccer field at Jackson School because all those parents are there. And I said, that'd be great, but one, one, we can't use your coffee because we want to attract them to church, not repel them. And, and, uh, and that was our first step of serving our community. I mean, that led to so many other opportunities of getting the arrows out of our church that we're all focused in. We started serving at 30 Minutes of Freedom. Uh, Kevin Howard, Pastor Kevin and I went down there and we started serving and we had all the children's ministry for about eight years. We just babysat kids as Tuesday market went on. And for me, one of the greatest moments of this, realizing it was working, was year after year seeing parents stand at the edge and then get closer and then finally let their kids in, then stand watch and then finally go do something. It was great. But, but my wife and I were sitting there with some friends having a picnic and a band was playing and the MC got up and he said, hey, you know, don't forget, uh, Sunrise is watching your kids so you can have a beer. And I'm like, well, that's not entirely the reason we did it, but that's okay. All right. Because we had become a part of the community. Um, we started serving uh, with 30 Minutes of Freedom, we served at Hurricane Katrina. 
We sent five teams over five months. You guys faithfully in one weekend gave like $30,000 just to go. And we didn't even know where we were going except Louisiana. We ended up in Slidell. And for five different trips over five months, we served the community down there. It changed us. We served at the outpost. One of our gals, Cindy, came and she was working with Parks and Rec. And she said, do you realize that kids that are on free and reduced lunch in Hillsboro don't get that lunch in the summer? And I'm like, I never thought about that. And so the school district with federal funds was still going to provide the meals. We just had to go serve it. We've been doing that faithfully ever since. The homeless shelter, uh, Hillsborough School District volunteers, there's so many ways that we've been a part of serving our community. And along the way, God has revealed and shown up in those things. And all those were his ideas. We just jumped on it. Um, this one's kind of fun. This is what we'll call campuses, but actually churches. Uh, we, I had a gal, uh, Patty, come and, and tell us about serving ex-prisoners and we need a church service for ex-prisoners i'm like why don't they just come to normal church and i was so naive and i sat down with one of the guys and one of the gals and they told me the stories of being met at their church door by their pastor after they came out of prison and they were told you can't enter it'd be best if you went somewhere else my heart first of all is angry and then it broke and we said we're going to do this and it's been long journey it's been joyful but we are integral with the department of corrections now as we serve men and women coming out of jail or prison our light my way got started there in 2004 and then i met uh, nelson pastor nelson uh, at multnomah at the coffee shop in 2009 a friend connected us we sat down and uh, chuck teats and i one of our elders at the time was was praying let's let's start a hispanic ministry we've got 23% Hillsborough is Hispanic. Let's, let's do something. We started a Hispanic uh, church here, which is still moving today. I just greeted them back there. Uh, Forest Grove, we realized that the church was growing. We were expanding, and we need to plant a campus in Forest Grove. We did that. That exploded. Uh, it just it exploded as like a good thing, okay? And it just blew up, which still sounds bad, but it's a good thing. And uh, Pastor Rudy is pastoring out there. Ultimately, we launched them out as their own church, and all these are being launched out as their own churches. And and we sent 350 to 450 of our people out there away. And it's been awesome to see that happen. And they're still growing strong. Uh, Cornelius, we planted Cornelius Church, Woodburn Hispanic. Nelson moved over there and gave the ministry here over to Israel. And Pastor Francis came and we launched our Indian ministry. And um, it's just been great to see God expand. And all of these will be launched out into churches in this year because I really believe God wants to do a great work. And who knows what God will do in the future. But he's done a great thing here. If we go on, I want to take a look at like places. This is like buildings. Buildings are just buildings, but they house people. This is pretty cool. This is Sunrise Baptist right here. Um, with That actually would be worth a lot on Bring a Trailer right now, believe it or not. Um, even the station wagon. But, but uh, uh, Karen, you were there, right? Is that one of your cars? Probably, maybe, who knows, who knows, all right. So this is how Sunrise got started in 1980. Uh, right there, was it on 25th? Something around there? Yeah, just, just down the road. And then uh, the next thing was uh, they built this Braun Louis Hall over here, later to become Braun Louis Hall, and then this office and classroom area. And then uh, Craftsman for Christ helped out. I remember Men's Roundup gave a large gift to that. And then they built their auditorium, and uh, that's where I showed up when the auditorium was there. And then I became senior pastor. We grew. We got a youth modular, and then we finally sold that, and we built a whole building. We doubled the capacity from 11,000 to 22. 
$22,000 and $1.2 million and paid for that, raised the money, and God was growing us there. And it became very apparent, though, at 700 people, it was too much for that space. And so we began looking and praying, and God moved us here to the Toshiba building. Uh, go to the next slide. This is like our floor print. And uh, back in 2000, the fall of 2006 into 2007, we raised a million dollars cash in six months to uh, build this out. We did a land swap where we owed, uh, when all was said and done, 2.2 million on this, which is down to a million dollars, by the way, our mortgage. Uh, Jody Alshire is not here, but she was very, very uh, key to that and paying that down. So work extra and aggressive on paying that down. And we started with an auditorium and a lobby and some children's space. And we, every, every time we, we spent money, we raised money, 100% cash, paid out these things, our children's ministry, our Braun Hall, extra classrooms, our offices, our fireside room where so much ministry happens. And then just a couple years ago, our dining hall and uh, the commercial kitchen which that was the biggest one, $1.4 million. And we paid cash for it as we went ahead. God moved in your heart and our heart, and we stepped in faith and did that. And if you walk in today, you go, oh, big building. Yeah, but there's so many God stories along the way. Every space, every tile, every piece of carpet, every piece of flooring, and you walk around, God's thumbprint is over all of this because you as a congregation moved and gave and served, and it's been incredible. We also grew. We grew from 158 to a high of 1850, successfully transitioning size culture, which is a whole thing for leaders from a small church mentality, which is a family church. Some of you were there, part of family church. It was hard to leave family church and go to medium church, and then we went to a size culture change of large church. It's even harder for that. We lost a lot of people, but gained even more. A couple of years ago, my wife and I had a barbecue at our farm, and we had 250 people there. It freaked us out. Um, we, it was an old-timer barbecue, and it meant you had to go to Rogan you know, Street. To, and, and it was just, everybody, not everybody went to Sunrise anymore, though, but it was awesome to worship together and talk together and hugs. Body of Christ expanded as people left Sunrise to go to other churches. But, you know, that was necessary to grow and to change, and we were able to do that. And I just want to say God did all that. God was so good through those ages and years. And I've had the privilege of seeing God move step by step. We're very much into that principle, the idea of experiencing God. That let's stop asking God to bless our cool ideas and let's wait and see what God is doing and what God is blessing. Let's just join him. And every step of the way, every movement as we look at that, those are the reasons we got to see this happen. And, and like Moses, you know, sure he was Moses, but in the end, it was God that did everything. Yeah, sure, we're Sunrise Church. But in the end, it's God who's done all of this. I love this passage of Scripture. And uh, when my mom, mom, you gave me that first daily walk Bible in the 80s, and I started reading through it, the Living Bible, this was one of the things I highlighted and I, I see every year. Then David went into the tabernacle and sat down before the Lord and prayed, Oh, Lord God, why have you showered your blessings on such an insignificant person as I am? Isn't that awesome? Why have you showered your blessings on Sunrise Church? We're insignificant. Why have you showered your blessings on me as a pastor? I'm insignificant. But we're just a part of what God wants to do, and we've been a part of that. And I am so thankful that in the near future, whenever that's going to be, we will see the next leader rise up, and we will see that leader commissioned, the baton will be passed, and we'll be able to rally around that person and see God take us into the next phase and season of our church. We've got to walk by faith, 
not by sight. We've got to see God already working and move with him. I want you to pray for Marty Hogstad. She's out there in the foyer right now. She leads our small group ministries, but also she is our head of our search team. Pray for the search team as they interview candidates, as they check references, as they do face-to-faces. Just pray for discernment, for wisdom, for boldness and courage, but the clarity from God to do it. Uh, if you want to know more, you can use our 30-day guide. Go to the Pastor Next page. So it's isunrise.com slash pastor next. And, um, and you can see that and download that. Pay attention to what's going on, on social media. The reality is God is already doing his part, just like he did through Moses. But Moses, the servant, was going to die. And it was time for a new generation. And that's true at sunrise. And may it be said for generations that every generation did their part and then passed it on to the next generation. But didn't wait for that generation to rise up. But they rose them up themselves. And they picked those people and they saw them work. I want to close with just a a thought, really a question that I asked at the beginning. And it's this. When you evaluate your life as a follower of Jesus, here as a member of a partaker of this community called Sunrise. How much of your life is focused on eternity, on the intangible part of life? I know we have jobs, we have families, we have responsibilities, I get all that. We all have that. That's, that's so important. But how much of your life is focused on the eternal? Will anybody be in eternity in heaven because of you? Or a, a deeper question Will you be in eternity with Christ here when your time comes? Because, man, God forbid that you would just show up to church and be a church person, but that you'd actually be a follower of Christ. That, as we sang in the first part, Aaron, that was so great to lead that song, would leave the 99. That is Jesus loved you so much that he left the 99 and he sought you out as the one who was lost and broken and hurting and scattered And he drew you close to himself and carried you home. That's what he wants to do. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to know that that that's our reason for existing. And then you'll be a part of that search and rescue team for the next folks that need to come and see Jesus. Because we do want to be that safe place. But not just a safe place, but a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Which is offensive at first, but it has to be. Because we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's standard, and yet God in his grace and mercy has sent Jesus to us. I would urge you to receive that message. I want to pray for you. Our worship team's going to come up, and we're going to have our prayer time at the end, and the men and women who are going to pray on the prayer team are going to be up here under the screens. If you have questions about that, man, please come ask them. They'd love to pray for you. Because the most important thing we can share with you today is that God loves you, and he truly wants you to be with him for all eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the message that we've been reading day after day, week after week. And Moses' time is soon up. And one day our time will be up. May it be said of us that we invested in eternity. And no matter what it looked like on the earth, we had a rich spiritual life. May we be the kind of people that are daily, weekly looking out in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, our community gathering places, and seeing people that are, that are lost, that are spiritually adrift. We never make eye contact, God, with people that are not dearly loved by you. 
and that an all-out search could be made and is being made, and you're inviting us to be a part of that search to reach people for Christ. May we be just wonderfully aggressive in that as we show people Jesus in us and through us. And if we're here and we've never received that or responded to that message, may that be today. May this be the moment we said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I recognize my sinfulness. I acknowledge my brokenness. And I turn from my sin and turn to you, God, and receive you as my Lord and Savior. God, move on our hearts to be the kind of church for generations to come that are always shining the light of Christ. We pray in your name. Amen.